Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. I love all the teenagers sitting in the front row right now. They're like, man, I love the oldies. Don't you put that on us. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Man, welcome to ACF. I'm so glad that you guys are here with us. If you're jumping online, thank you for being here, jumping online. Can we just give everyone online a huge hand this morning? We're so glad. We have a lot of people watching online right now. Whether you're here in this room with us today or whether you're joining online, we want to say just welcome and thank you for being part of this community. Uh, the one thing I want to say is we, at ACF, we, we have this statement where we say you don't have to believe to belong. And what that means is you might be here today or you meet, might be watching online right now and, and you might be going, I, I don't know if I believe in this Jesus thing. I don't couldn't quite know how I feel about God. But I want you to know you have a place here to wrestle through that. You have a place here to ask those questions. We're not going to try to twist your arm and make you believe anything. We just want to reveal the truth and the love of Jesus to you here in this community. And so thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for being here. If you're new or you're just kind of checking it out, checking us out online today, we are in the middle of a series called I'm With The Band. And what we're doing is we're just having some fun right now in church. We believe that church should be fun. Jesus came and, he, and wherever he showed up, there was, there's parties happening. And, and that church is a place where we should be able to enjoy each other and enjoy God and what he's given us. But in this I'm With The Band series, what we're doing is we're looking at different songs each week. Um, we believe that music is powerful and music shapes us and it influences us. And we want, we're taking lyrics from songs and going, okay, how is this shaping us? What is either the truth in this song that we need to move into, or what is the like, anti-truth of this song that we need to recognize as a lie and, and call out? But uh, music shapes our culture for sure. So today, we just sang The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. Love that song. Rocked out to that in high school for sure. Uh, and uh, here's the lyrics that we're going to pull out this morning. Uh, just a little piece what we're going to be focusing on. It says, just do your best, do everything you can, and don't worry what their bitter hearts are going to say. Super important. It just takes some time. Little girl, you're in the middle of the ride. Everything will be just fine. Everything, everything will be all right. All right. So have you ever experienced bitter hearts trying to tell you what to do? Bitter hearts trying to tell you how to live, how to dress, right? Bitter hearts, outside influences, trying to shape who you're becoming. Now, I think most of us in this room can relate because just about, just about all of us in this room have been in junior high before, okay? So we, most of all of us have experienced those bitter hearts trying to shape us in who we're to become. I remember going to junior high and like people making fun of the jeans I was wearing. I was like, oh... Darn, I, I didn't know that I have to buy different jeans now, right? But, but the truth is that that doesn't just go away when we grow up, right? Like, we, we just carry it differently. We kind of hide it differently the way we allow those bitter hearts to influence us and shape us. Like, here's an example. Have you ever um, 
just pretended to be in some, into something you're not really into because everyone else in the room was into it, right? Like you're like, maybe you moved to Alaska and you're, you know, from the city and you've never really been into hunting, but all your people you work with are into hunting and they're, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going hunting, going hunting. You're like, yes, I'm going to go shoot some animals and do the shooting of the things, right? Yes, I'm, I'm into this because you are. And so I got to try to fit in. Right? Or just, have you ever pretended like you knew something that you had no idea just to be part of the conversation? Everyone's like, yeah, did you see the SpaceX launch? Oh, that was in the sky. You could see it. And you're like, yeah, SpaceX. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Right? Like, <laughs> right? Or the classic, this is the classic one, right? Like, laughing at the joke, you have no idea what the punchline is. You don't get it. And they're like, no, because of SpaceX. You're like, oh, you get it. It's funny. I have no idea what is SpaceX. Right? Because we're not confident enough in who we are to be able to go, yeah, I don't get that. What are you into? I- I'm not into hunting, right? Like, I can tell you that. Like, I'm not into, I don't know what SpaceX is. I don't get the joke. We're just not, we're not confident in who we are. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about confidence. And, 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 and church, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus watching online right now, we need to have some confidence in, what, in, in who we are and what, who God says we are. We need to have some confidence. We need to walk in this world with some confidence. And if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you're watching online or you're in this room, please don't check out because this is such a perfect opportunity for you to learn some things. Because I believe, too, that the bitter hearts of the world have shaped your image of who Jesus is have shaped your thought process and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I would guess that it's probably off. I guess it's probably not accurate. And so this is a great opportunity, great morning, great time to listen in. But when we're talking this morning about confidence, I, I, want, us to be, I want to be clear about something. We're not talking about arrogance. We're not talking about pride. That there is a big difference between confidence and arrogance. And I love this quote that I found, this definition of confidence. It says, confidence isn't walking to a room thinking you're better than everyone. It's walking into a room not happening to compare yourself to anyone at all. That, that's huge. If, if I could just live like that every room I walked into, I don't feel like I have to compare myself to anyone in the room, that would be a huge weight off my shoulders. And I'm sure it would be for you too. So to this morning, we're just going to look at three different areas. There's a lot of areas We could cover a lot of ground, but we're going to look at three specific areas where as followers of Jesus, we need to have some confidence in in what what Scripture says and who God says that we are. So let's jump into that this morning. The first thing we need to have confidence in is we need to have confidence in salvation, in our salvation. Because the truth is those bitter hearts, the world, as the Scripture calls it, it teaches you something. It's trying to tell you something. And it's so often we believe what the world tells us. And I think there's a couple lies that the world tells us. And the first one is this, is that salvation is earned. You can't be confident in your salvation because you haven't earned it yet. You you haven't worked hard enough yet. You haven't done enough good deeds yet. That if you you do enough, if you're a good enough person, then you can attain this thing called salvation. But if you don't do enough good deeds or enough good things, you're not a good person you're not going to attain this thing called salvation. In fact, there's this story in the Bible with Jesus. Uh, this guy comes up to him. He's this young dude. He's influential. He's popular. He's wealthy. The disciples, like, want him on their team. They're like, yes, he's coming to Jesus. We, we, we get the A kid in our team. We get the star on our team. 
And he comes up to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to have salvation? And Jesus is like, well, it's an easy one. You know, follow the, the law. Follow the commandments. Right? And Jesus rattles off a few of them. And the guy kind of smiles. He gets excited. He's like, perfect. I've been doing that since I was young. Right? Like, basically what he says is, I got you, Jesus. I'm perfect. I have eternal life. I've earned it. And Jesus says, well, I one other thing small thing sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me now Jesus was doing something here he he was revealing something in this guy's heart because selling his possessions did not earn him a ticket to salvation right following Jesus like selling his stuff and giving it to the poor wasn't going to mean he automatically had salvation Jesus wasn't saying you have to do this to get that but what he was doing was revealing in his heart no you are so far off you have not been following the law in fact that's the point of the law is to to, to show you that you, you can't do it so the world will tell you you have to earn your salvation another thing that the that the world tells us is that salvation is uncertain it's uncertain you actually don't know you have it until you die right? Like, I hope I've done enough good things. And we live in this perpetual state of hope, but the Bible says that, teaches us that we do not hope for our salvation. We do not hope for it as followers of Jesus. But the world's going to tell you over and over again, you have to hope that you have, you have to hope you followed the rules correctly. You played the, you played the game right to have salvation. And the last thing that I'm going to say that the world tells you the bitter hearts say is that salvation is the end prize now this is kind of an important one this is something we need to understand that that and when i say salvation in this specific one this idea of going to heaven that's the end goal that's the prize i I need to do the right things play the game right or even say yes to jesus so that i can go to heaven but what you need to understand and what you need to realize is is that is not the prize That is not what it's all about. Jesus did not come to earth so you could just go to heaven. Right? Jesus came to this earth and he he lived his life and he he died and he defeated death. He took the, the sin of the world upon him. And there's a lot of reasons. Actually, Jesus himself claims that he did this. There's reasons like so that you could be in right relationship with the God of the universe who loves you. That's not just about going to heaven, right? Like, there's all these reasons that you could be free, that you could be alive, right? That we're dead, but in Christ we're alive. That we're slaves, but in Christ we're free. Those are reasons Jesus came. And one of the ultimate reasons Jesus came was to establish his kingdom on earth. He came. He talked about nothing more than he talked about establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. These are the reasons Jesus came. But it wasn't the prize, you know, to go to heaven, But for, like, just about every other major religion in the world, heaven is like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? Like, if you got to pray five times a day. You can't miss any. And if you do it right, you play the game right, you go to heaven, right? You got to go on mission. You got to do these things. You got to be this kind person. If you do it right, the prize is you get to go to heaven, right? You got to separate yourself from any and every desire on earth, even desire to love your children, even desire to love humanity. If you have no desire, you get to ascend to this place called nirvana, which is essentially heaven, right? Heaven is the prize at the end of the road, but that's not true. That's what the world wants to teach you, right? 
we need to be confident in our salvation. This is what scripture tells us. First John, John, this guy, he wrote this letter, and John was like one of the closest friends of Jesus. And this is what John writes. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in me. The name, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Right? It is a certain thing, a confidence that we should have, that we don't have to wake up in the morning every day going, did I do enough good deeds? I have my checklist of what I got to do. When I go to bed at night, I hope I have salvation. Right? I hope I have salvation. I hope I don't get hit by a car crossing the road after I sin and then not have salvation, miss out on it. That is, we need to be confident, walk in confidence because there's freedom in that confidence. You are not the source of your salvation, and that should be incredibly freeing. What, what, did, what did we just read? Whoever has the Son, it is through the Son, it is through Jesus, you have salvation. But there's another confidence in the room that we need to have, that if you don't have Jesus, if you do not have the Son, which John writes, you do not have eternal life. There's a, there's a confidence in that that you need to have and know, and that's actually a freeing thing, wondering do I have salvation? You can know today whether you have it or not. A confidence in that. The next thing that we need to have confidence in is confidence in value. Confidence in our value. See, the world tells us a variety of different things. One of the things the world tells us is that value comes from image. Right? Your image, the thing that you put out there is your value. What people see and think about you is where your value lies. And one of the biggest areas that this has taken over our society, taken over our culture, is through social media, right? The more likes you have, the more followers you have, the more valuable you are. And, and it, it is a generational thing. Like, the younger you are in this room, probably the more impactful that does feel in your life. But it's easy to slip into. It's easy to, to kind of fall into this. <clears throat> I'm not a giant social media user. I, I will use it if you like follow me on Instagram. It's a boring follow. I, I, I rail on the Mariners all the time because they break my heart. They're doing so good right now, but I know it's coming. But, <sighs> and then I, I post pictures of hiking and camping and yeah, not a lot of fun. But a couple months ago, I, I took a picture. We, my wife and I have this beautiful view of Baldy from our house. And I woke up, and the sun was rising over Baldy, and, like, the sky was exploding pink around Baldy. And then Baldy was just, like, beaming white with the snow on it. It was a beautiful picture, so I took this picture. And then that evening, that same day, the sun was setting, and it was, and Baldy itself was exploding with the alpenglow, just fire pink on it. And then the sky around it was this deep blue. It was just this gorgeous, gorgeous scene. And so I took those two pictures and I turned them into one picture, you know, the morning on top, the evening on the bottom. And I, and I posted it, Facebook or Instagram or something like that. And just said, Hey, you know, Baldy in the morning, you know, sunrise in the morning, Alpenglow in the evening. No, no big deal. It's a post I'd make. And then later that day though, I, I go and I look at it. And I'm like, it's got 500 likes. I've never even gotten 500 likes at the announcement of the birth of my kids. Jeez, that's crazy. And I, okay, that's cool. And a couple hours later, I jump on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and, and it was like 800 likes. Wow. And then like 20 minutes later, it's like 900. Come on, 1K. Come on, 1K. Come on. 
And all of a sudden it was like 1,100, 1,300, 1,500, 1,800. And I remember going home that evening and be like, hey, Malia, hey, babe, been on social media lately? Because I'm kind of a big deal. Right? Do you know how many people were scrolling through and went, eh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh-huh. all right. You know, a lot. Right? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I feel good about myself. It's so easy to fall into that trap. It's so easy. And it might not be social media. It might be something else. But your image, we find value in our image. The world also tells us you find value in your knowledge. The more you know, the more valuable you are. You know, how much education do you have? And, and really, the, the struggle typically comes, and this is personally my struggle, the, the struggle is the reverse of that, right? Oh, you don't have your master's. Or I don't have my master's. Ooh, yeah, I'm not as smart as the other people in the room that do. I feel less valuable, right? How many degrees do I have by my name? Oh, I don't have as many. I feel less valuable. And this is... Kind of a side note, but on this point, something I've noticed lately, too, is like reading is God. And so the more I read, the more I know. And don't get me wrong, reading is really important. Wisdom is important. Scripture talks about that. But all of a sudden, like for me personally, I struggle to read. I have dyslexia. I'm a slow reader. And so where most people will take them an afternoon to read through a book, it might take me five weeks. And so I don't read as much, and so therefore I feel less valuable about myself. That is a real thing with a lot of people probably in this room or watching online right now. Your value comes through wisdom. And finally, the last one that the world tells us when it comes to values, your value comes from your status, right? How many, how many initials do you have next to your name? DDS, DDR, right? CEO, CFO, business owner, right? The more I have, the more valuable I am, or the less I have, the less valuable I am. And it might not even be something in that range, I was, I was talking to my wife, and I was asking her, I said, where do you struggle with your value, especially when it comes to your image and who you are? And she said, oh, that's easy. Didn't you have to think about it? She said, being a mom. There's a lot of ladies in this room, a lot of ladies watching online. It's a real struggle. Guys, it, I, it's just, it's not, it's different. It's different. But for ladies, it's a real struggle. Like, how do I compare with the other moms I see on social media, Right? How do I compare with the other moms? I go to the park and, and I come home and I feel worse about myself. Why? Because I was with this mom and you know what? Her kids loved each other. Right? Like, they loved each other. I'm a terrible human being and a terrible mom because my kids hate each other. Their kids love each other. How does she do it? Or maybe it's like we go to someone's house for dinner and, and, and I, I'm a terrible mom because when dinner was over, their kids got up. And they put their dishes in the dishwasher. How did that happen? My kid, I can't get them to do it to save their lives. They're going to end up selling meth when they get older because they won't sell. I can't get them to put their dishes in the dishwasher. They're going to end up in the system with the riffraff again because I can't get them to put their dishes away. Right? And then I am terrible. My value is less. Or, hmm. I want to be a mom. I can't be a mom. I have less value as a woman. This is a big deal. Where we find our value, that we don't understand that our value doesn't come from our our, our status or our image or our knowledge. This is really, really important. 
See, here's what we end up doing. This is so common. This is what we do. We only compare ourselves to the perceived, perfected piece of other people's lives that we see. And we never add up to it. Right? That, that Instagram post. It's like, oh, they all look like they're smiling in that picture. I've never experienced that. Right? Oh, I went to their house for dinner, and I, and I got an hour with this family, and their kids, like, took their dishes to the dishwasher. What you don't know is the mom threatened those kids. If you don't put your dishes away when, that, when we have company over, you will not wake up in the morning. Right? Because I got to look good as a mom in front of this family that's coming over. Right? We only compare ourselves to the perceived perfected peace of other people's lives, and we never add up. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does it say? God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That if you are a follower of Jesus in the room, this is your value that you are a holy nation. You are royalty. You are God's special possession. Paul takes it further in Romans chapter 8. I love this. This is what Paul says. He says, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. And you can add daughters in there. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Listen to this. And if children also heirs of God... And what does it say? We are co-heirs with Christ? Co-heirs with Christ? If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Do you understand this? Do you get the weight of this? If you have said yes to Jesus, that you are literally a child of God. And we use that word a lot in the church, and sometimes it can lose its luster on us, if you will. That you are a child of God. You have been adopted into God's family. That means you're an heir of God's kingdom. You are a co-heir with Christ. That's kind of big. Did you know Paul wrote that? A co-heir, equal heir with Christ into God's kingdom. Um, my wife has uh, four other sisters, and two of them are actually in a process of adoption. And in in in. And, and these, 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 specifically, she's got one sister and brother. They, they have the kids. They've been fostering them for over a year right now. And they're trying to adopt them. And these, the twin girls, right? They've been fostering twin girls that they're trying to adopt. And these twin girls, that when this adoption happens, they are, they're going to receive everything that Jackie and Oscar have. Like, all of it is theirs. And, and they have other kids, too. They, they have other biological kids. But there's not going to be a difference in, 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 in when it comes to the end, when like who gets what, right? There's not gonna be like, well, there's the biological kids, they get more of the inheritance and then the adopted kids get less of the inheritance. No, it is everything that is theirs becomes theirs. They are part of that family. They are a Mahia family, right? And you know what also? 
we need to understand this, what adoption actually is. Because sometimes we approach God's kingdom with this mindset. They did not adopt these twin girls, or they're not in the process of adopting these twin girls, because they have some real potential to make money when they get older. Right? Oh, these girls, like their parents are geniuses. They both work for Microsoft. They're super smart. Like, there's a lot of potential with these girls, so we want to adopt them into our family so we can get something from them. Right? Isn't that how we often perceive, like, we got to come to God with something? No, these, these girls, they actually, they had, like, alcohol and drugs in their system when they got them. They came with nothing but problems. Nothing but problems. And yet, they are loved. These girls are loved because they have, they're being adopted into a family. That's the same for us. We bring nothing to God except our problems. We bring nothing to God except our problems. He does not adopt you into his family because you got some potential. Because you and I, we have no potential outside of Jesus. There's nothing we have to offer but our problems. And yet, we are loved. We are co-heirs with Christ. That's incredible. That is your value. That is your value. Finally, the last thing we have confidence in is confidence in mission. Confidence in mission. The world tells you, the bitter hearts, they want to teach you that you are your mission. Right? You are your mission. It is, it's about what I want and what I want to do. And my life revolves around me. When I was writing this, I, I came up, you know, this last piece about mission and, and just what the world tells us that it's all about us. And it's like immediately in my head, this jumped in. Any, any Emperor's New Groove fans in the room? I love Emperor's New Groove. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. And the, the, the intro, the intro to the movie, there's this song that they sing. And I just want to pull out one, one, one little section of this song. And, and listen to the language. Listen to how basically we try to be the gods of our lives, don't we? We try to be our own gods. We are God, we think, far too often. And this is the line to the song. It says, he's the sovereign Lord of the nation. He's the hippest cat in creation. He's the alpha, the omega, A to Z. And this perfect world will spin around his every little whim because this perfect world begins and ends with me. Isn't that how we so often live our lives? Isn't that at least what the world is telling us? That's what our mission is. That's what it's all about. It's about you. And, and, and if your world's not revolving around you, then, well, then you better get, get on board. Like, and we just get so everything about us. I would say this, that there's no mission on earth smaller than a mission about me. There's no mission on earth smaller than a mission about me. And I would say that's not even a real mission. I love what Proverbs says. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Maybe you feel like you're perishing in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you just feel like you're perishing in life because you have no mission. You have no vision. You need to be on a mission. See, life is so much more, it's so much more than just about the next camping trip. Right? It's so much more than about just the next hunting trip, the next ball game, the next, you know, whatever thing, the next fishing trip, the next Hawaii vacation, right? Like, we get into this thing, this place, this rhythm, like, oh, I just gotta, just gotta, just gotta get to the weekend. 
right? That's what it's all about. That's what I'm living for is just for the next piece. But those next things, they're just empty and unsatisfying. You know, if that's all that it's about. Yeah, those things are enjoyable for a moment, but everyone knows when you reach the top and if, if that's all you've been going for is whatever that Hawaii vacation. It's great, but then now what? It's Monday morning again. And I feel empty inside still. You have to be on mission. We have to be on mission, church. See, God has given you and he's given me a mission to be on. And, and we, we talk about this a lot at ACF Church. It comes from Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, we are on a mission and this is it. And if this is not your mission, you need to realign what your life is about and line up your mission with what Jesus put us on mission for because everything else is too small. Everything else will not fulfill you. We are on mission. And it, it changes you. It changes you when you get on mission for Jesus. Check out this video. Hello, my name is Tony. I've been going to ACF for about, oh, four months now. I was brought up Catholic originally, and uh, but I never actually read the Bible. So even though I would go to, to Sunday service every Sunday, um, I didn't actually know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about that. I just knew, hey, I, if I'm a good person, that's great. You know, salvation achieved. But, you know, I didn't really have that relationship or anything like that. Um, and then after my uh, divorce, uh, right after college, um, it brought me in a dark place. So I was like, you know what? I don't know if I believe any of this anymore. And then I just gave up. Like, it's not for me. I'll just live my life my way, the way I want. friend here who was uh, PCSing that he's transitioning to another unit uh, he was going to Texas and he needed a place to stay so I said hey you can stay with me for a month no problem and uh, he was a hardcore Christian really into the Bible read verses every day uh, went to church every Sunday and uh, he started you know telling me about Jesus a little bit and I was like man all these all these people are really into into this guy you know he started telling me about uh, all these current events and I'm usually um, oblivious to current events. I don't watch the news, I don't watch TV, none of that stuff. So as he's telling me stuff, I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, the world's, there's part of the world that's kind of wicked. And I don't really want to be like that at all. And then that thought started coming back to me, hey, you should probably go to church, go do something. And then out of the blue one day, I was uh, thinking to myself, you know what, I'll go, why not? So I did. I met the band, <laughs> I met uh, a bunch of cool people, I saw the service, Pastor Brian, and I thought, wow, you know, this might be it. I'll, I'll start with saying this, when I first saw Pastor Brian and his eye ring and his haircut and his beard, like, who is this guy? You know, who does he think he is? Once I heard him talk, I thought to myself, that's, that's, a, that's a good pastor. He tells a good sermon and he has the Holy Spirit with him. I wanna, I want to listen to what he has to say. Choosing to get baptized was my own personal choice. It was kind of like a covenant that I'm making with the Lord. Like, hey, I'm yours. 
I'm yours, Jesus. Being a casual Christian didn't didn't really feel right, where I was just like, yeah, I'm going through the motions. Now I don't feel like I'm going through the motions. Now I feel like I can actually be a part of the team, a part of the discipleship. Can we give Tony a hand? And being on mission, it changes you. And I love it. Tony's actually getting baptized today at the 11 a.m. service as he continues moving forward in his walk with Jesus. Being on mission. Being confident in these areas of our life. Being confident in who Jesus says we are. See, how do we know when we're getting it right? How do I know that I'm getting my confidence correct? That it's not arrogance um, that I'm not walking as a, like a defeated person, you know, not sure if I'm saved, even though I've said yes to Jesus 32 times, you know, right? Like, how do I know I'm getting it right? Love what Tony said. How do you know when you're getting it right? You have boldness for the gospel. You know when you're getting your confidence right, when you have boldness for the gospel. It says in Galatians, it says, may I never boast except for the cross. May I never boast except for the cross. When you find yourself boasting in what Jesus has done in your life, boasting in, in, in the areas of your life where you're walking in freedom now, boasting in the areas of your life where you've seen Jesus come in and heal relationships, allow you to move into forgiveness, restore all these areas of your life. When you can boast on what Christ has done, you know you're getting it right. And so I want to encourage you, walk in confidence. So the big question is then, as we wrap this up, the big question is how? How do I get more confident in these areas? What do I have to do? Do I have to wake up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror and okay, it's going to be a good day. Confident today. Confident, Josh. You got this. You got this. Come on, man. No. Not at all. Because when I do that, what am I doing? I'm just making it all about me again. I don't have the strength to be confident in my own salvation. I definitely don't have the strength to be confident in my value. I don't really have the strength to be confident in my mission. So how do I gain confidence in these areas? I want to answer that with, with, with an example of a life. The life of Peter in Scripture. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Brian during Easter talked about Peter the disciple of Jesus. And, and he uses an amazing story about being in between two fires. And at the first fire was the fire uh, uh, that Peter was standing around at during Jesus' trial. Now Peter had walked and talked and lived with Jesus, camped with him for three straight years. Heard all the stories, heard all the, 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 the sermons. And yet when, 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 when the going got tough, Peter backs out a little bit. And he's standing around this fire hoping to be kind of near Jesus to find out what's going on but doesn't want to get too close. And he ends up like just denying Jesus three times around this fire. He denies Jesus. He walks away from the very promise he had made hours earlier. I will never deny you. A couple hours later, he's denying Christ. Right? And then we fast forward to, to after Jesus' death and resurrection and they're, they're on the beach and Peter's fishing. He, go, he even abandons his mission. He leaves the mission. He goes back fishing again. And he's on the, they're, they're fishing, and Jesus shows up on the beach, and he starts cooking uh, fish around the fire again, and Peter recognizes as Jesus, and he dives in the water, swims to him, and Jesus restores Peter. Right? They have this moment of restoration in their relationship. But then what happens after that is Jesus, he leaves. He ascends into heaven, but he, before he leaves, he says, hey, disciples, don't go anywhere. I want you to hang out in this town. Don't leave. Something's about to happen. And we read about it in Acts 
chapter 2, and, and the disciples, they're there, and they're, they're waiting for God to do something, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit shows up to just anybody, to, to common people, to 120 people that are just hanging out in this room. For the first time in history, in human history, thousands of years earlier, Ezekiel prophesied about this. He, he said, God tells Ezekiel, I'm going to remove your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. I, God, will live in humanity. This is the moment that happens in Acts. And after this happens, everything changes in Peter's life. And him and John, they go to the temple to pray. And as they're walking, there's this, this guy, he can't walk. And he's like, hey, guys, got some money for me? And they're like, mm, no, we're broke. But we have something so much better than money. Stand up and walk. And everybody freaks out. Right? This guy's been there for his entire life begging. Everyone knows him. And he walks away. And it makes such a commotion that Peter and John get brought before the Sanhedrin. The same Sanhedrin, the same law givers that just a few weeks earlier condemned Jesus to death. The same ones. We get to read their names in the story. It's the same people that con condemned Jesus, Jesus to death. The same people that Peter was terrified of. Now he finds himself standing before them. And they're like, so how did this happen? How did this guy who can't walk, how did he start walking? And this is what Peter says. And when they had said to them in the midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and then he goes on this long sermon, that it's all about Jesus. And then at the end of it, when he's done preaching, the Sanhedrin, it says that they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. That they, but they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now hold on a sec, just follow me here for just a second. They had been with Jesus. They had already been with Jesus, right? Like Peter spent three years with Jesus. He hung out with them, they camped by the fireside, heard all the sermons, and yet when push came to shove, Peter took off, right? I used to think, yeah, of course Peter had been with Jesus. Of course they had this boldness, this confidence. They got to be with Jesus. I don't. I don't get to be with him in the flesh. I don't get to actually physically sit with him and hear him talk. Peter did. What did it result in? I don't know, a guy lost an ear? Right, like Peter got all excited and cut a dude's ear off and then, then ran? <laughs> That's about it. Right? He abandoned Jesus when Jesus needed him the most after three years of hanging out with him. So what changed? What did the Sanhedrin see in Peter and in John that they had been with Jesus? It was the Holy Spirit. They saw the Holy Spirit living in them. It wasn't Peter's boldness because all of a sudden in like three weeks or two weeks, Peter goes from being a coward to being this super courageous guy to preach this message. No, it was the Holy Spirit living in him. How do you accomplish this area, this thing of confidence in your life and what God has called you to? It can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes that you need to be continually being filled, every day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That you would wake up in the morning and go, Holy Spirit, I don't got it. I don't got this. I, I, I'm not confident. I, 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 I think I have salvation. I don't really know. I, ah, man, my value really comes in my performance. The Holy Spirit 
Empower me to walk this day in confidence in who you say I am. That will change your life. It's not about trying harder. It is not about trying harder. Today, you have a chance to take a step forward in boldness. Tomorrow morning, you have the opportunity to take a step forward in boldness and live your life differently, like what you believe actually matters. And I don't want you to just to leave and, and, and go, okay, well, so what does that look like? What do I need to do? We do this every single week at ACF Church. You have a piece of paper on your seat. And, and I want to encourage you to, to really fill this out and drop in the basket when you leave. There's some ways that you can step into boldness today. Maybe that one of those ways is you just need to say yes to Jesus. You need to step into boldness and let somebody know that you've said yes to Jesus. You can let us know. And by, by marking these things down and by turning them in, we're just going to send you a text just to encourage you, let you know we're praying for you. But maybe you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you need to get baptized. We're doing baptisms today. Do you know how many people in this room really want to get baptized, really feel like they should, but they're just not confident for a, a, a thousand different reasons? I haven't earned it yet. I don't deserve it. Or maybe I've been a Christian for 40 years and I've never got baptized. So if I go get baptized today, everyone's going to know I haven't got baptized yet. It's a real barrier for people. You need to walk in confidence right now. And, and all you need to do is, in just a minute, the band's going to get up. They're going to play a couple worship songs. As soon as that happens, go out in the lobby. We got people out there ready to get you set up. We have everything you need. We got shorts, t-shirts, towels, other things, whatever you need. There's zero anything blocking you from getting baptized today except for yourself. I want to encourage you today. Maybe that's you. You need to get baptized. Other things, actions, steps to do this week. Every day, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with godly confidence. You just need to wake up. Holy Spirit, fill me with confidence today that I need to make an impact, to be on mission. Number four. I'm sorry, number two was confess one area that you need to, uh, to Jesus that you need to give confidence. Maybe you're listening today, you're like, oh, I'm so weak in confidence in my value. And you just confess that to Jesus. Say it out loud. Confess it to another person even. Would you pray for me? I really struggle getting my value from Instagram. Help me, you know, walk through that with me. You need to confess that. And number four is take a practical step towards something God has called you to. There's, there's pieces of your mission that you know God's called you to and you haven't done them yet because you're just not confident. I want to encourage you, take just a step this week. But church, what would it look like if we could all live in confidence in who we are and who God's called us to be? It would make a real impact in this world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that it is all about you. It is all about you. It has nothing to do with us. We don't bring anything to the table. We can't earn anything from you. We don't deserve anything from you. And yet you have done all of the work. God, literally, our job is to receive what you've done. Receive the gift. Lord, help us to receive that gift. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us with confidence that we could go through this life knowing we are saved, not hoping we're saved, that that doesn't have to be a burden that we carry of being our own savior. God, that we could know that we have value. We know our value. We walk in our value. We're confident in our value. We can stop trying to earn our value, comparing ourselves to others. Such a burden, such a prison that we live in every day as we try to earn our value. God, let's be confident in our mission. 
God, forgive us for making our mission about ourselves, for being consumers in this world, making it all about me. God, help us to see the mission. Help us to walk down that road and be on mission for you. Holy Spirit, give us the strength to do this. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.